Hello and welcome to Dune Dudes. We are your dudes, and we are here to talk Dune. Um, we uh, we're kind of doing this thing now where it's like we we finished reading the Herbert novels, we watched the movie, and Connor and I are just like sitting around. And we're like, what do we do? Yeah, pretty much. What we're, do we do now? We're sitting around with our thumbs up our asses. And... Thumbs up our asses. We're just staring at each other, just eyes locked. We're just thumbs bo- up asses. We're just both on Wumpus vacation. We <laughs> just, stare, we just staring at each other, staring at each other from across the room. Thumbs up the old arse. Holes plugged. Holes plugged with our own yes, thumbs. With our, I mean, with each other. Like, thumbs. what do we do? And what do we do? We came to the the realization that we should have guests on the show because there yeah. are other people out there in the world who have read Dune, and mm-hmm. I think it's good to get their perspective on on things. Um, we did have uh, AP Mike on last week, who was yeah he was a big guest. It was it was a pleasure to have him on, um, but compared to this this guy that we have here today, he was a small fry. Yeah, he was a small fry. Yeah, this is this this is where it truly begins. Yes, um, yeah, this is this is when we cross the threshold. AP um, Mike, we, may, we are through. We are through the looking glass here, people. AP Mike might have eleven thousand followers on Twitter. Eleven hundred followers, but no, it's eleven thousand followers. But our our guest today has over eleven thousand followers in my heart. And that's that's really all that matters. You know him, you love him, the one. I don't, I don't think the, they, know me. they might they might know, they know you because you. you've they been you. you have been on you've been on the podcast. I have briefly. You you in in fact like I, I was trying I was mentioning I think you were on the first episode I think Connor and I were wrapping up the first episode. And you were like, "Hey guys, like you were like we're we're on Discord that," and you're like, "What what's going on?" Like, without yeah, further uh, ado, Mr. Joshua O'Connor, <laughs> yeah, the Hi, third musketeer, the third musketeer of the corrupted TV Three Musketeers. Um, it has <laughs> yeah, famously always referred to yes. as musketeers. Yes, um, <laughs> sometimes yes. musketeers. Sometimes they do call us the the musketeers. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Um, if we, if we were the Mouseketeers, which you may not know this, Connor, um, but they're not all mice. Uh, the Mouseketeers are Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. I wonder who do we think is who, um, in, in that parallel. I, okay. Who do we? I, I actually know exactly who is who. Um. I, I would really, I would love to hear your take on that. It's, it's yeah, clear as day, it's clear as day to me. Um, Connor, you are for sure goofy. You are absolutely goofy. Yes. Um, I I am, I'm definitely Donald and Josh is Mickey. Are you sure? Because that's that's how it has to be. I, I was thinking, I was thinking you might. Although I mean, is Josh a Donald? He's I not. Mean, he, uh, I was I gonna mean, say I was gonna I, say you would be Mickey no, and Josh would be Donald, no. but I don't know if Josh is a I, Donald. I, here. I, you know, <laughs> I will admit 
I I've got the sass. I've got the the the, the dark side that Donald has, you know, and and Josh. <laughs> I've got the dark side. I do. The dark side. Uh-huh. You have Donald's dark side. I have Donald's the dark side. Yeah. And you know, Josh is is just a, a pure creature, you know, being of light, with with love in his heart, and uh, yeah, and that's why we love him. And so he 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 is the Mickey figure. Josh. Do you uh, do you have anything to add? How do you feel about that assessment? I appreciate that assessment. I think I'm more of a Bugs Bunny character. <laughs> there we go. I guess we're gonna. I guess we're gonna just. We're just gonna cross over. We're just yeah, gonna exactly. smash universes together. That's exactly. Fine. No, that's that's exactly my point. I think no, I don't think for, those I, universes I, could coexist. You know, I I think that would be an all-out war. Have they ever been in the same? I feel like I've seen Disney. I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, obviously, Disney, Kingdom Hearts, that's been a huge crossover. Uh, Looney Tunes, Space Jam. You know, they they have their own. I'm I'm probably thinking of what I heard about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think uh, Bugs Bunny and a Disney character were on screen for like the same time. I remember someone talking about that. I haven't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit in like 20 years, so I don't know. Gotcha. I mean, it would be did chaos across the who, Imperium. Who did it? Did they ever find out who framed um, Mr. Rabbit? Wasn't it Doc Brown or something? His name is Roger, by the way. <laughs> Do- Doc Brown from uh, from Back to the I Future? Think, I think it's the same actor. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> All right, Like maybe. I said, I haven't seen the movie in 20 years. I going character. off what uh, God of Podcast said. Yeah, that's right. It was always Doc Brown. Um... Anyways, we uh, much much like Connor's own copy of the the first Dune book. Uh, this discussion that we're about to have is long overdue. Yes, <laughs> very true. It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, so I Josh, actually have two copies of this book. You do? I do. I have a print copy that has been sitting on my bookshelf at my parents' house for about 15 years. Uh, and I have a, a Kindle version that I currently have pulled up on my phone. Wow. <laughs> Connor, imagine if, like, we... Imagine if the three of us all got into Dune together 15 years ago. Yeah, that's... I mean, instead of the, oh, the uh, Black Parade, it, it would have been Dune, you know, because that came out 15 years ago. So if instead <laughs> of buying the Black Parade, we were handed a copy of Dune... It could have changed everything. Maybe could that's have. why I mean, there, a different trajectory than you two. There's there's room for both, obviously, but it, it is fun to think about um, that that you know Dune has been in in Josh's head and something that he's read about and known about for that long, and you and I were just Duneless. Yep. <laughs> you know. Well, okay, so I might as well cover this um please tell so us all I, about i, I read dune about, about dune. 15 years ago back in uh middle school or early high school um and i think my my aunt gave me the book as a birthday present or something like that and i eventually got around to reading it and it went right over my head back then i back then i was in the habit of reading like at every point in the school day that i could so like if i finished my work early during the during a class period during lunch while I was eating, uh, I was reading, and even with that, I just could not wrap my head around the what was trying to be said in Doom. 
and uh, I I remembered a few key points, um, and I realized as I was rereading this summer because it, in anticipation of the movie and knowing that you guys were reading it now, um, I found that a lot of the stuff I remembered was completely wrong. So that was really, it, this was the fun, like I had basically a complete wipe and I knew a few of the references and a few of them, I was surprised to read them in context uh, and, and how that changed what I thought the, the phrase was about. Yeah. Uh, or the reference was about um, a lot of stuff in the other pop culture science fiction that I consume ravenously makes a lot more sense now. Um, especially Star Wars. I, I've seen <laughs> a lot of comparisons to Star Wars lately, and frankly, I love it. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, it's it's been fun rereading it, and I'm excited to discuss it with you guys now. I mean, you, you both should be profoundly thankful to Frank Herbert for declining to sue George Lucas. Because if he did, you know, what you guys have and celebrate today would... would maybe not be around you know maybe you wouldn't have gotten uh your your precious prequel trilogy yeah your precious imagine if star wars was only three movies i know that would would be a nightmare i i i know it's a world you 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 can scarcely you know bear thinking of but uh it's it was a possibility and you can thank frank herbert for those movies (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh that is funny. I, I did read some like snippets of, of like him being interviewed over the years about um, if he was going to sue and that and then even like he watched like he was getting asked without even having watched Star Wars and he was like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. And then eventually he watches it. War in the stars. And and he's like, yeah, I get I, I get what you guys have been saying, actually. Um, so that, that's kind of a funny, a funny shared history for sure. Um, but But on the, on the topic of Dune, I've seen some references elsewhere. Like this summer I was also rewatching Star Wars, Star Trek Voyager. And, uh, it was just the briefest reference by the, uh, by the doctor who said he had just visited Arrakis Prime. Oh, nice. Yes. I, I had to pause and like rewind to be like, because it was right before I had started reading the book again. So I, I had to pause and rewind and be like, did he just say? Yeah, he did say that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Connor, yeah, Dune seems to be Connor, a, Connor, a, a, Connor, everywhere Connor, where Connor, science Connor, fiction. Connor, What? What? What do you have to say? Arrakis Prime. Maybe that's the planet that Shiana went to, to start. Maybe that's <laughs> what, what she named them. Yeah, it's a mashup of Arrakis and Gietti Prime. Pretty funny, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, it works on other. Le- I can't, I'm not going to go into that because that would spoil Josh. But what you know, it works on on multiple levels. <laughs> right. Yeah, the I, other I person she's with. Four books, but uh, we're not going to Connor, Connor, Connor. The other person that she's with, like, you know, just, Connor, Connor, just, just say it. Just, just say it, all right? I'm just like saying The point is, this is the guy, I'm trying to look out for Josh, okay? I, I mean, this just can't. He doesn't want to hear guy, it. This is the guy who named his D&D character Palimbasha. And I had to <laughs> yeah. look it up. I'm like, oh, that's a cool name that he came up with his character. I wonder where he, where he got it from. And I just typed it in Google real quick and he came up with character from uh, Children of Dune. I'm like, God damn it. I didn't yeah, tell you to look that up. Yeah. 
nope, I, that was on me, but it was it was very much uh, like I, su- <laughs> yeah. this, I suspect she either made this up or he absolutely got it from somewhere, and I had yeah. to check to be sure. Did Based you also have to? Did you also have to Google Costanza? <laughs> no, that part I got. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So it was just the Palambasha part. All right. Right. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So. You finished reading Dune, I don't know, like a couple months before uh, the movie? In, I mean, back in, uh, was it late August or early September? So, so just it, a little it, just a little less than two months probably. I, right? I read the book over the course of, uh, basically over the course of August. Um, I, yeah. I, I went on vacation with my family, and when I'm on vacation, I can just sprint through a book or two, and Dune happened to be that book this year. Yes, very cool. Um, I gotta say, so I how, how do you wanna... I was surprised, Josh, that you did get through it because um, back in like May or something, you were like, "Yeah, these are all the books that I want to get through this year. I'm going to read this Star Wars and one I first, did. and then this other book, and then then this other book, yeah. and after that, I'll get to Dune and I'll finish it before the movie comes out." I'm like, I don't know if you can. If that's yeah. going to work. You're gonna. It's cutting it close, but you did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I know how long it takes me to read stuff and. If I get the free time, which I knew I was getting around vacation, I can really, like, I can literally read hundreds and hundreds of pages in the course of, like, a week if I have free time. So, I I wish I could do that more often, but life doesn't really work that way anymore. Yeah. Um, No, it's uh, it's cool, though. I mean, that's a skill I don't, I don't feel like I have, or, or, or a focus that I don't feel like I have. Like, um, as much as I loved reading Dune... Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to get into more books. I think it's hard for me to like um, read so much in such a short amount of time it's, for myself. It's the, it's the binge watching mentality, but for reading. Yeah, like, exactly. Like I, I can literally go months without reading a book. And then if I find a good one, it's done within two or three weeks, depending on how long it is. Um, I, I think back in like high school – I had a new book every two or three weeks, except when I read the Hitchhiker's Guide series. That was like every two days. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I read the book back in August. We're recording this in November, early November, uh, right after the movie November came out. 1st, as a matter of fact. Yes. Happy Halloween, yep. by the way. <laughs> yes, happy Happy belated Halloween, um, or as they say in in uh, New York City uh, schools, uh, you know, run run by the Department of Education. Happy Costume Day! <laughs> wow, that's a little too uh, PC. I was, I was gonna say, if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, I I grew up in New York too. I I totally uh, believe that. We having a war so, on Halloween now. Is you know war on Christmas? Yeah, it's right. not you enough. Can't even, you can't you can't even say Happy Halloween anymore. They're they, gonna take it away from they you. They took away my elves. <laughs> they took away my elves. Now they now they're taking away my goblins too. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, let's play D D later. We'll we'll bring those back. Uh, I'm glad yeah, I'm living in Connecticut. Nice. You know, live free or die, motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, that's Connecticut. I I love when at the end of uh, Breaking Bad, uh, Walt goes to Connecticut. 
<laughs> he has the live free. He has the live free or die license plate because yep. he went to Connecticut, right? Remember? Yeah. When he's in Connecticut, have you seen that Walter um, White from Breaking Bad? Have you seen the uh, the um, you know? It's like the um, the don't tread on me flag, but it's with with the sandworm, and it says uh, don't tread on me rhythm- rhythmically. I have actually. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like the dumbest. It's like a, a, uh, it's like a very diseased part of the internet. Anyways, yeah, Joshua. Joshua. So yes, the um, the movie came out, and we've all seen it. But before we yes. get to the movie, I saw it before you did. You actually did. Yeah, you 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 saw I it hours before hours. we saw it. Um, yes. Before we get to that, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. take us through your journey. Um, you know, onto Arrakis. Your journey through Dune. Um, your thoughts. Your feelings. Just just you know, lay it all yeah. on us. So, oh boy! Now I get. Are, are you asking? Are you asking about his 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 most recent read through? I hope so, because I can't. I can barely remember what happened three months ago, let alone fifteen years ago. No, the first. I can barely time. remember what happened three hours ago, dude. Yes, Not yes, of course. This, <laughs> this 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 most current uh, time that you have read the book. Not the time fifteen years ago that you barely remember. Right, that is what I was referring well, I basically, to. I basically told you the gist of it. Uh, I mean, because because the way you phrased that I question, remember, Connor, it sounded it was more more generalized, more like, hey, like just like tell us about like your journey of like being a Dune fan and like oh, being on Arrakis, like just ask like you read the book recently. What are your thoughts on on your most recent read through of the book? Like you don't have to ask so, it that dumb way. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, so did, really I, quick, I, I should have known it would go over your head. No, no, no. So it's fine. So it's fine. No, so it's fine. I should I have just, realized there are some people in just, this in this chat that it would it would go over their heads. So I should have phrased it differently. I gotta make I just, it. A, I just feel like I gotta make sure everyone's I just, following I just along. Feel like the way that you asked it, it was like okay, because because we got you know different comprehension oh, Josh, levels here. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> Josh, whenever you're ready, I would love for you to just like go for it because uh, so, I think Connor's done. He's yeah, getting so, a little. He's getting a little too uh, Donald. Like you mode done now? <laughs> he's going into <laughs> Donald mode. <laughs> so a fucking, I'm fucking goofy kid, <laughs> you know. I'm Donald. Goofy over oh, here. Man. Goofy over here can't can't even like understand a, a, a question. <laughs> I guess. So 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 whatever. Obviously, uh, I mean not. I fucking goof, goofy ass over here. Doesn't very even know what's happening half the time. <laughs> and uh, you know, Donald Donald is is getting uh getting a little awry over there. I guess. So. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Whenever you're ready, Mickey, take it away. I just really, I just really had to clarify. I'm just trying to, but I'm just yeah, trying please, to assage your fears there. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so actually, one of the things, so I, I was reading on a Kindle this time around, and not the print book. And uh, one of the things that helped me with was uh, terminology and pronunciation to a point. So the Kindle, what you can do is you can highlight words and it gives you vocabulary or like a connection to uh, a Wikipedia article that might be relevant. Or uh, in some instances, it would give you something called X-Ray, which would actually like give you a, a neat blurb about something that's specific to the book. And that worked maybe a third of the time for all of the f- new phrases uh, that were invented for Dune or were derived from uh, Arabic or French or some non-English language that inspired uh, Mr. Herbert. Uh, 
Um, so there's a lot of things that I was reading and they just kind of echo in my head as I tried to figure out how the fuck they were pronounced. <laughs> and the movie has definitely cleared a lot of things up for me, but there are some characters and organizations or, or factions rather that I still like might mispronounce while we're talking. Um, well, we are the, the authority on pronunciation. So if you have any questions, let us know. We yeah. can, we can clear it up for you. Yeah. The one that got cleared up for me before the movie was uh Benny Gesserit. Um, How are you saying it? I, I think I figured out that it was Benny Gesserit. And I, I think I spoke to Connor earlier uh, while we we're going over some other stuff. Um, but when I was were reading you a, it, were you a hard G man? Uh, I no it. My head likes to play games with words where it's like, I, I'll look at a word and if it's not entirely clear how it's pronounced right away, I'll start working through different pronunciations. Uh, one thing that one example that comes to mind is Gemini. Uh, there's all those different eyes, and then you can pronounce those in different ways. So one, I, I like uh, Gemini is some, is another uh, way to interpret that hmm. word on paper um, if you really wanted to, but. Uh, for Bene Gesserit, one phrasing, uh, one pronunciation that kept coming to mind was uh, Bean Gesserit, <laughs> <laughs> which I knew was completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, but stuff like that, like in English, B-E-N-E could be read Bene, or it could be read Bean or Beanie, uh, which probably you wouldn't do the third one, but um, it's stuff like that. Uh, the the Mentat that worked for the Atreides. Uh... Through Fear Hot? Yeah. Yeah. I was reading that as, as, uh, Thuffier Howitt. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of glossed over his first name because that was, for some reason that was not working in my brain, but, uh, I always, uh, identified him by his last name of Howitt. But that, that obviously was not how you guys pronounced it. No. And, Connor and I talked a lot about pronunciations over the course of reading Dune, yeah. and uh, you know, we we joke. Um, Connor's like, "Oh, we're the authority. We're the authority." On you know, it's <laughs> like when when you come on Dune, dudes. I, I do think that like we have home team advantage. Like our pronunciations are the way we do it. But I also recognize there's a million ways to, to yeah. say this shit. Like I'm I'm not what down I, with the way everything's done in the movie. For the and record, the one that surprised yeah. me in the movie was actually the Harkonnens. Because I yeah. was reading it the entire time as Harkonnen. That's me how we too. pronounce it. Yeah. I, that's what I say. That's yeah. what I say. So I I was a little surprised at that. That's the correct way. They got it every... wrong. Denis got it wrong. I <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, actually reading the book though and understanding what was going on, the first two chapters I had to get used to the, uh, I think it was the third person omniscient narrator. Because I, most of the books that I read are usually first-person perspectives. Um, so getting used to a third person, let alone a third-person omniscient, was uh, took some mental retraining on my part. Um, but I mean, that was mostly going through the uh, introducing of Gurney Halleck, um, introducing all the stuff with the voice, which. Man, the movie really cleared that concept up for me a lot. But still, yeah. that's it's a freaky concept. 
um, the uh, the the little blurbs at the beginning written by Princess Ilurian, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yurlan. Um, yeah, no, that's not, not a pronunciation thing. It's like I I honestly cannot remember what the princess's name is. Yeah, because um, she literally shows up at the end of the book. Yes, and, she uh, does. Um, so yeah, uh, so I, I basically went through the whole book struggling with some of the terminology, and then realized when I was about halfway through the third section that there, when I figured out how to use the Kindle's like uh, chapter by chapter selection that there was a whole appendix at the back to get to the glossary and stuff, <laughs> the, the yeah. glossary and explaining a few things. And I read that after I, I told you guys, I finished the book and I was re just reading through that. And I was like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. Cause there were a few things as I read, um, I mentioned like, I would try to like push something on the, like, I try to select a, a word or phrase to see if there, it would at least tell me what it was. And it would be something related to the, uh, uh, all right, here's another pronunciation. Is it Freeman or Fremen? I say Fremen. Fremen. Okay, I'll, I'll go with Fremen then. I, I kept reading it as Freeman. Um, so the Fremen version of the Bene Gesserit. The, uh... Sorry, with an S. The, uh... The, the not the Saedina, or is it? No, that um, was it, Saedina. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so the Saedina would pop up and I'd try to use the pronunciation thing. It would just point to Chani. Yeah, right. I was like, no, this is a title. This isn't Ch like Chani does become a Saedina if I remember correctly, but, um, she's not, she's a Saedina. She's not the Saedina, which was the problem. It's like, I have no idea. It's like what the, how things were like, um, uh, like rank how things ranked against each other. Yeah. Um, the, the emperor's name kept popping up and I, and the, the lands rat stuff would pop up and I, I'd wrap my head around it's, it's politics. I could wrap my head around that, but it's like, well, does the emperor's like full, well, like where's the emperor's name and title begin was, <laughs> was a whole thing for me. Like, yeah. Is it, is it the Padishah emperor or is the emperor Padishah uh, right, corny, whatever the house name was. That I, I could never get get that. For even like reading through the glossary, like I have no idea what the emperor's personal name is and what his title is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is funny. Um, um, all the things that like the book asks you to learn and figure out in like a really short amount of time. Um, well, because a lot it's of still words relatively are short. Relative short is relative term here. It's one of the longer books that I read growing up. Um, I think my Yeah, I mean more I, I feel like in the beginning pages. particularly like like that first hundred pages or so. Yeah. It it asks you to like to to like put together that foundation so that the next seven hundred pages like can make more sense, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or that that's the way that I felt about it the first time I read it. Yeah. Um so yeah as I was as I was reading the book, um I was definitely connecting points that I, I remember from watching the Dune trailer. Cause I, I did watch the trailer before I read the book um, or trailers at that point. Um, so when the Baron showed up, it's like, Oh, I, I have a basic idea of what 
the Baron looks like now. And, um, oh boy, what else? Uh, a few of the characters, I, I didn't like go back to the trailer when I was reading. So when a new, like one of, a lot of the Atreides characters, I didn't have a good idea of what they looked like. Have um, you never watched the 84 movie? Uh, no, I haven't. I've, I've seen like a few like stills or frames. Yeah. We should watch that together. Games. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> It's very much like Star Wars. I'm choking on some popcorn there, buddy. Yeah, choking on on some kernels there. Um, But yeah. When I moved in, in, come over to my place. We'll watch it on my big TV. Sounds awesome. Hell yeah. Um, Let's see. What else? Uh, Like, I I was completely surprised at uh, Howard's appearance in the movie. Uh, I I thought I must have... When I read, I can sometimes miss details, and it's possible. Like looking at how it, I thought he was more like, a, like a much thinner, uh, taller person when I was reading the book. So seeing the the larger, uh, shorter person playing him is like, oh, that I must have missed a detail there, but that's definitely him. Um. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you missed well, anything, right? Like, well, yeah, because no. uh, the Dr. Kynes, they, they completely changed their gender, yes. which not an issue story-wise. Uh, but I, I I went back after I read the book to like actually look at the characters and see how the movie interpreted it. It's like, I had to think for a moment. I was like, wait, did I miss that Kynes was a woman? No, they definitely like made Kynes Chani's father. Yes, 100%. Like so, yep. Um, so I didn't miss anything there, but I, I didn't bother to go back and look at the first description of Howitt or Gurney. Gurney, I think they hit for the movie. That Josh Brolin was a good actor there. I was just surprised that it was Josh Brolin. And it was weird yeah. to hear Dennis's voice coming from him. Yeah. Um, yeah, Duncan Idaho, I was pretty sh- I, I think was pretty sure it was Jason Momoa, like in my head, because... Uh, that, that's a face that I instantly recognize. I, I, Paul was pretty much the face of the movie uh, during that time, so I had a good idea what Paul looked like. And um, but yeah, like the only thing I really remembered from the first time I read it was uh, the ornithopters stuck in my head because I'm an engineer and that kind of thing is like ships and stuff that always stick in my head. Um, the whole like. Uh, the reason the spice existed was to allow space travel and it was like messing up the guild people. Um, but reading it through this time, I definitely got a better understanding of what was going on there. Um, I definitely picked up a lot more on the ecology of doom this time around and how the, the spice came to be and uh, what the worms were. Um, I completely missed the whole uh, Maud Deeb and uh, the mouse stuff going on the first time around. Uh, I don't think I ever picked up the first time on how Paul was not supposed to be like the perfect hero. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was definitely a lot more tuned into that this time around. And that was, it was interesting to see because I was like, oh, Paul's the hero when I when I started and I was reading, a, kept reading and reading. It's like, oh, he, I wouldn't 
agree with that if he was a hero kind of yeah right yeah he's going on a jihad and and uh he's gonna kill all these people in his name yeah. like i always thought he like i always thought he was trying to avoid it and then like writing through the the time uh visions that he was having but it seemed uh, at some point he started to seem to like steer towards it and that that was something i was yeah there's there there's a point where the where the in. threshold gets crossed you know and and, and he realizes mm-hmm. no matter what he does it will happen anyways and so um mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a helplessness and and, and i'm sure as a kid it, it would have been different you know coming from reading all these stories where there's clearly defined good guys and bad guys you know and and uh mm-hmm. um yeah i don't th- i don't think i would have picked up on on the kind of gray area there right away either yeah definitely and i think it helps that i've i've read a lot more science fiction since then because that that helps with some of the concepts that would have been brand new at the time dude was written but uh uh like time travel paradox stuff i dude doesn't really get the paradoxes but understanding time as not being necessarily linear in other shows uh, or or uh, media has definitely helped understand the whole spice dream stuff that's going on. Um, I did. I like the whole battle at the end, and how even though he was steering towards the jihad, he was still trying to avoid unnecessary bloodshed. He was still acting as a respectable member of the Landstrad. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, he was just... Yep. I mean, until, I guess, it. he detonates the Atomics, which is in defiance right. of the... Uh, what's that called? No, um, it wasn't because he didn't use it on people. He used it on a wall. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, that's the workaround. Right. That's a good point. The, the Great Convention, that's yeah, what it's called. Convention. Right, so... It was not in defiance to, to the Great Convention. That's a good point, Josh. I forgot about that. You're right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Paul Paul is definitely like harm reduction personified, you know, um, mm-hmm. which it's like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm doing this bad thing, but like I'm going to do it in a way where like it, it kills less people than if I did it, you know, the, the bad way. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the other thing I was doing when I was reading is like every now and then a, a certain phrase or uh, hypothesis, for lack of a better term, would would pop up in the writing, and I'd, I'd highlight that just to save for later. Um, so I, it it felt more like I was reading, like I would have for an assignment, even though I was definitely doing it for fun. Like I didn't have to read the book before I went to go see the movie or even to come on here and talk with you guys it was just i wanted to read for fun i did a little more like extra work for some reason yeah i mean i i, I kind of feel like frank herbert is an author who makes you want to do the the work um he he kind of um you know piles in a lot of ideas and a lot of great quotes that make you think and i mean that's really all that doing dudes is is like it's like just us thinking mm-hmm. out loud about all these things that we're <laughs> that we've come across <laughs> It definitely made me think from time to time. There were, there were definitely phrases that popped in that made me think. Um, but I, I mentioned this earlier, how certain ideas or phrases were put back into context for me. And 
the popular phrase that's always associated with Dune is that the spice must flow. And somehow over 15 years, that got me, I, I was under the impression that Paul was trying to make the spice available to everybody, as opposed to just the Spacer Guild or whoever was, or the Harkonnens or whoever was controlling it. But when I reread it this time, I realized that was a threat to the Spacer Guild. Uh, because if the spice didn't flow, then the Spacer Guild, then interstellar travel would just break down entirely. Yeah. And I like when I reread it this time around, it, I realized it was a threat. And I was like, oh, that is very different, but makes yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Who, who controls the spice controls yeah. the universe. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I don't think the line, the spice must flow shows up in the book. I think it's the thing that's also movie. funny. Are you sure? It, it, it's at the very end when he's threatening the, uh, the, spe- the spacer build. He's like, after okay. all the spice must flow. I see. I'll look again. But it's, not, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's not used end. in such a way where it's a catchphrase, you know, it's yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, That's I what see. I was surprised. I think that was the other thing that was surprising. It's not a catchphrase. It's, it's, uh, that, that is a big thing in the, uh, the Lynch movie. Yeah. So that, that would be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that was the tagline <laughs> for the movie, if, you know, for the David Lynch movie, I think. Really? Or I think just... so. No, I think it was one of them. Really? Oh. Huh. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like it was uh, a pretty rewarding experience. And like Connor's saying, like I I think he's onto something, too, where it's not so much that... Uh, I don't know. I like the way that, that Connor put it. Like, Dune kind of makes you want to put in the work. You know, because like, similarly... Connor and I didn't have to do a podcast. We could have just read nope. Dune and then like circle back around and been like, did you like Dune? What'd you think about Dune? Yep. Like we could have just done one episode like this. Um, uh, but I mean, the reality of it is I, I do think that the idea for the podcast came to me more of like the, the consistency of doing the show itself would keep me reading. Cause I, I have trouble keeping myself focused on like those long projects sometimes, but I think Dune was a, a fantastic, uh, like, subject to focus on throughout a, a podcast like this, uh, because there really is so much to, to like, find for yourself and to uncover. Like, I think the thing about Dune making you want to do the work is that if you do put in the work, it's almost like any amount of work that you put in will yield some kind of reward, you know? Like, um... I feel like it's kind of like a self-promoting or sustaining thing because, like, if you think about Dune more, then Dune, like, has more to offer you, you know, something that that you kind of create for yourself in a way. And so, like, it's cool because, like, there's a lot of stories, um, you know, you kind of realize you reach, like, a, a ground floor. Like, you're putting in more work than the story is, you know? Like, we've all had that experience of of feeling like we're trying to make it make sense when it doesn't really. Or, like, you're overthinking yep. something that, you know, that there was never any intention there to, to have that kind of, like, value. But I think in Dune, and, and the way that Frank Herbert crafts this universe, it feels like Frank Herbert, you know thinks about it just as much or more than you ever could or did you know and so like if you if you do sit down and think about it it's like 
there's stuff to find, you know, there's, there's things to connect and it, it just makes it like a really, uh, interesting series to, to, to continue and to explore. Um, cause it, it feels like there's always just another thing you missed, you know, like there's always yeah. something there, no matter how many times you, you read it, presumably. I, with such a dense book. Yeah. That there's absolutely countless details that I've completely missed or f- have already forgotten about in the two months since I read it. I mean, same. Um, and us that's, too. Yeah, that, that's yeah gonna, right, uh, us too. That's why, I mean, from the moment we closed the uh, the book after finishing Dune <clears throat> for the, you know, the first time, I'm like, I, I'm ready to reread this, you know? And that's pretty much how I felt after every book. Like, I'm ready to reread it. And I'm not going to right away because I'm soaking in the in the afterglow you know but um but i i i I do look forward to that day because there's going to be so much more for me to um explore i don't know and and that's kind of uh, a good thing to talk about here within the first book is like what do you think about the about the universe and about its history with you know the butlerian jihad and all these these um political factions and um, you know the politics as, as well as just kind of the mechanics of the universe. Do you have any thoughts on on just any specifics or or general, I you know, ideas? Um, I I really I, I think that whole back structure was part of the stuff that went completely over my head uh, fifteen years ago. So the the whole um, thinking machines being outlawed uh, and like explaining why the Mentats and the Bene Gesserit are a thing in the first place was completely lost on me back then. And this time around makes a lot more sense. And with our current uh, modern environment where you hear, you're starting to hear the alarm bells about AI. Mm -hmm. um, It it seems a lot more uh, relevant than it would have been uh, back in the, the, the sixties when yeah. the biggest thinking machine they, or the most powerful thinking machine they had was a calculator yeah. um, that filled a room. So it's uh, it, I'd be very interested to see what Herbert would say about today's modern uh, technology sure. in light of how he predicted the Dune universe would come to be. Definitely. I mean, you know, it's funny cause like two days after Dune premieres, you get Zuckerberg, introducing his oh, metaverse God. you know and yeah uh it's like take a hint <laughs> yeah it's, it's like uh, that's kind of kind of scary kind of scary i mean you look scary in real life but like you look even scarier in, <laughs> in VR. so i've been trying to find that the quote at the end of the book and i i cannot so i think you're right there connor yeah i mean as far as i phrase. remembered i i don't think it is there in in the same wording yeah yeah, it must be a separate wording, but the must and flow are not next to each other. It's actually the cof- yeah, the spice much. coffee must flow. There we go. There's something about spice being the river, and he built a dam, but I'm not sure if that... I, I've only half been looking, so... Yeah. Um, yep. So... Put my phone down so I don't get distracted again. <laughs> yeah, um, we, can, uh, we can come back to it, but... Yeah, so as for the politics this time around i was a lot more interested in what was going on behind the scenes um finding out the ben and jesuit were manipulating everybody um 
finding out, like just hearing about the other houses and how the um, the treaty we were just talking about, the great uh, convention, convention, great convention, yeah, uh, how that affected warfare and just life in uh, the Imperium. Uh, finding out about the emperor's soldiers, whose name is another pronunciation issue. Sardakar. Sardakar. Okay. Sardakar. So when I was reading it, I was reading it as uh, something along the lines of Sardawakar. Yeah. Because I, I I was expecting more of a U sound in the middle. Right. Um, so Sardakar a lot easier. <laughs> Sardawakar. Um, Sardaw. What'd you say? Sardawakar. Yeah. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. It's like, it's like Sardawakar. Yeah, it wasn't fully formed in my head, but I would see the U in the middle and it'd be like Sardawakar or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And that's exactly what was going through my head. Sardawakar. Something like that. That makes yeah. sense. Moving on. Um, let's see. Uh, finding out about what was going on in different planets was always interesting. Um, finding out that the Baron was a sleazy perv was really disturbing. Yes. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, like I picked up on one or two things, uh, and then like it became very obvious. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, this, he, he should die a lot sooner than he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's is, definitely a hot button. At, issue. at first, it's like it is. It's it's done like it's like subtly done. Like he'll yeah. he'll it, just have it, a few lines here or there, and you're like, wait a minute, does that mean what I think it means? And then eventually, yeah. Herbert is like, and then he had sex with a boy. Yeah, and you're just like oh, spells all. Yeah, he just wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was, like you said, it was very subtle at first. It's like that could be construed one way or the other. If yeah. you, but if you're reading between the lines like you're supposed to, you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it's like halfway through the book, he's like, yeah, make sure he's extra drug this time. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. I still remember like vividly um, the line where the Baron like tells, <clears throat> tells like some minion or whatever. Oh, he's like, oh, get, get like this boy or for me. Uh, the one that looks very much like a young Paul Atreides, yeah. and just being like, yeah. like yeah, the, oh yeah, that that's where it got really creepy. I still, I still remember that line, and just thinking like, and then what you find out is that they're related later. They're related, exactly. Oh, yeah. man, that, yes, yeah. exactly. Which is another thing that I completely missed the first time around. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was a, an actual shock uh, when I when I read it. Yeah. Uh, did they cover that in the movie? Because I think that happened in the tent. That that I think that I think it does happen in the tent scene of the book. They have not covered it in the movie yet, so it's unclear whether okay. they're going to yeah. go down to Avenue or not. Okay. What is funny? Going through Twitter, I just read about a uh, suppose. I don't know if this is like accurate or not. Or I just look at like the little tweets and shit. You know, I don't do a lot of research. He loves but, the little tweets. Uh, I, lo- I just lo- I just love looking at little tweets. He does. He does. <laughs> just stupid fucking goofy over here. I'm not gonna do anything else. Like, I just look at my little tweets and move on. Um... <laughs> just watch him smile at his about... <laughs> All right. Oh, look at him. He's having fun. <laughs> uh, but it was it was this deleted scene where. Uh, 
it like when when uh, Duke Leto and Gurney first get to uh, first get to Arrakis, they're exploring the the Arakeen Citadel or whatever it is, and they mm-hmm. find uh, they find I don't know like a chest. Oh, with the fingers with severed fingers. Yeah, yeah. and the Ugh. Baron leaves a note that uh, refers to Duke Leto as his cousin. But well, again, this is in a deleted scene. Well, so mm-hmm. no, no, but also in in the scene in the movie where they're at the the banquet table, you know, the Baron's across the table from him, um, and Leto is is you know uh, paralyzed or whatever, stunt, you know, can't. He, yeah, he was he was darted, you know. And he's naked, sprawled out naked. Um, and the Baron's eating. He says, um, you've got a great kitchen, cousin, is what he says. So so the cousin line is in the movie as well. But I, I think that's I think in the book they do like the, the royal families are all like they know there's some relation between well, them. Well my I, I think the Harkons were an offshoot of the Atreides, weren't they? My thought on that is that it's it's more like just kind of a uh, term of endearment. It not it doesn't have to be an actual blood relation. Um, I mean, but it also could well, could the, uh, could so be just kind the, of like some some far off you know royal. I, I think it's meant to. I connection. think it's meant to reflect like the situation in Europe, royal European royalty, where yeah. the royal families of different countries are definitely related. Because mm-hmm. it's it's very explicitly stated that. Uh, the Duke is a cousin of the Emperor. Yeah. Um, I see. So that. Um, what what I think the does... surprise was finding out that Jessica was a daughter of. Yeah, that yeah, that's a uh, much bigger Baron, right? A much bigger thing, yeah. yeah. Right, and so uh, it it's that Paul is the Baron's nephew. Right? No, the uh, is Paul that, is the oh, Baron's uh, uh, grandson. Or, or grandson. Yeah. Grandson. Yeah. Grandson, right. Oh, yeah, we go back to a, a Ray Palpatine connection there. <laughs> Classic. Uh, well, there's no cloning involved. It's, it's actually like, it's more of like a hidden bloodline thing. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, we, we digress. I, I, I do want to back up a little bit and notice you were calling them Duke Leto and uh, Eric. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, that's what so, I said. So when I, was, when I was wa- reading, yeah, when I was reading it, I I came up with Duke Leto, and uh, uh, I always got the 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 city as Araki. Like oh Arrakis. yeah, or yeah, Iraqi. I, I yeah, yeah, I for sure see Araki's fine, Arachine. but Leto is the most evil pronunciation of of that name. <laughs> so just just it's a know. single e. It, it you just you just don't like Jared Leto. That's all. It I is. don't. No, he's he's a bastard. You know. Um. So so I I guess it's fair that in the movie they they come somewhere in the middle and and go with Leto. Yeah. Yeah. That that works. It's like a bit of a. Um. It's the olive branch between the two yeah. uh, parties. No, that- it's just 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 for us it's it's tough because like oh, we said that name so many times and it's like just oh, mm-hmm. it's just frustrating to hear it said wrong you know accent oh my god <laughs> i can't remember the word accent yeah that's why i went quiet there for a moment it, it, it came across as an accent based off of their their heritage or something um so it was uh <laughs> 
I, I didn't pick up on it. There being a separate pronunciation, I just heard what I what I had been reading. Right. Um, <clears throat> That's fair. I mean, it's so close. Like I, I didn't notice it a lot of times, or like I always noticed it, but it was never like overbearing. Because, like right. you're saying, you can you can kind of like just tweak it almost in your head. Right. <clears throat> um, so what were we talking? We were talking about the families. Um, <clears throat> Uh, blood relations, Paul, the Baron, yeah, Lido, I think there's something yeah. before the blood relations that I wanted to touch on, and I cannot remember now. Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, we were talking about, you know, the revelation that Jessica is the Baron's daughter in the tent, and then before mm -hmm. that, we, uh, we were talking about the the universe in general i forgot where exactly we were at but um i think you were talking about the politics of it in the great yeah, houses um yeah i mean the great houses were i i hope the later books touch on them a bit more because I'd, I'd like to see how the different houses because we only really saw uh atreides harkonnen and a little bit of the imperial family carino right remember yes. carino right yeah so, Josh, does that mean you're going to continue reading? Potentially, yes. I'm, I'm in the middle of another book at the moment, and then I'm going through a move very soon. Don't so get we'll us see. too excited. It may be some time before. It may be a little while before I get to anything, but um, I'm also going to try to run a D&D &D uh, game with you guys, so that's going to eat up a lot of my time. Just, just know, right. whenever you're ready, the Dune Dudes are here to help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You could even you could go back you could read it in five chapter increments and listen to us talk about Dune yeah. from the past. Yes, maybe yes. that'd be awesome. Uh huh. Crazy, right? Um, but uh, I but yeah, no, we we would love to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I would too if I do get to reading them. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about was how I somehow got more interested in. Like the fictional politics growing up and so like i said when i first read the book i just completely like glossed over whenever politics came up yeah like, it was no interest to in me i just that has that has no bearing on the story right wrong with that. um but when i was reading whenever like the interfamily politics would come up and all this complicated stuff would start happening uh, for some reason, it kept reminding me of Star Trek The Next Generation. Because when I first watched that, I realized that the episodes I was having the most like engagement with and like wanted to see the next moment in The Next Generation were the episodes about the Klingon politics. <laughs> so, and, and I realized I was such a huge nerd because my favorite episodes in The Next Generation are the ones about Klingon politics. Mm. <laughs> and nice. I've said that phrase before. It's it's a very, very nerdy phrase. <laughs> Pretty damn uh, nerdy, Josh. Yeah. But uh, I, I, at some point in the last 10 years or so, I just got way more interested in fictional science fiction politics and how different cultures will handle their politics. Yeah, I mean... Um, for you know, for me, I thought it was. Uh, I I think this is one aspect of the universe that Frank Herbert really is is finely attuned to. I think I think he really 
understands how like the people in charge operate and how mm-hmm. you know how how um people become leaders and how these structures are built up and and created i mean not only right in front of you but over the over millennia you know um right. which is like we're kind of walking into this this universe that is like it's it's been happening for thousands of years before we get there and it's like just so finely you know crafted and it and it makes a lot of sense um and there's a lot, there's there's a lot of obviously you know components that would not be a thing today but um it like really is the more yeah, things it, change the more they stay the same as well yeah it was interesting seeing a society that is twice as far into the future than we have written records for in the modern day mm-hmm. like it's it's literally like twice as far into uh the future than we have history like period yeah um and they're just it's basically just feudal feudalism mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that it's interesting just seeing that history repeats itself kind of thing going on there. Um, Huge theme throughout yeah. all the books. Yeah. Um, but there, there are a few new things after 10,000 years of human evolution. Uh, and that's, well, the, the mental abilities that they've developed over that time, which were probably the one thing that I had the hardest time accepting Mm -hmm. Um, because whenever you get into a new fiction series science or otherwise um, there's always something that pops up where it's like this isn't real in our world but you have to accept it to accept how this world works and one of the things that i was having trouble with was like the the benedictus abilities and the mentats abilities like i can understand like supercomputers like mathematics working um but the the prescient abilities the uh ability to control substances within your body by thinking about it yeah um basically how dr ua worked and how jessica worked were um hard to hard to accept at first um and I mean, there's not a lot of description in the book. It's like, it's like maybe two or three paragraphs of how Jessica's looking within herself, notices there's a poison, and changes it into not poison. Yes. Yeah. And then I that mean, it's indistinguishable that from magic, right? Exactly. Yes. And H.G. Wells, right? Or was it Jules Verne? Fuck. I could. I always mix the two up. Um, any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Yep. But it's not quite technology because it's it's all brain stuff. It's specifically developed to avoid technology. Yeah, yeah. Just just millennia <clears throat> of of training, you know, of of human mental acuity training. Yeah, exactly. it's like it's like that um, Bradley Cooper movie Limitless. You, you guys ever see that Bradley Cooper movie Limitless? Limitless. I don't. When he takes an Adderall with- for the first time. Yeah, yeah, with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's very much that idea that like th- there is so much more left within uh, like human awareness to mm-hmm. to unlock. And uh, Frank Herbert is also definitely very interested in like 
yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, human evolution, you know, like what, what could humanity look like? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. screw the technology. Like what, what yeah. happens to the species? You yep. know, what are we yeah. capable of? He's a big, yeah, and, big believer in humanity. Yeah. And that, that's actually something I've always been mildly interested in to some degree throughout my life is just how will things, how do we think things will change in the future? And every now and then I find myself just going through Wikipedia, like, the far future timeline of things that will happen and then what we, th- or what we think will happen. And it starts off with like stuff that's almost like um, those shows that used to be on TV, like day after tomorrow or yeah. uh, life without people of like how things will deteriorate over time. Um, there was H.G. Wells, the time machine where he predicts humanity splitting into uh, two different subspecies uh, where one preys on the other. Hmm. Um, and then if you get too far away, you start getting like, it's just astronomical events. Um, like, well, in 10 quadrillion years, I, the universe will either have crunched in on itself or has another like hundred trillion years to go before it just dies out, like burns out. So, yeah. Who knows? I know. Yeah. But <clears throat> like on a human evolution point, that's very much in the realm of fiction uh, yep. to, predict what will happen yeah and uh what's happening in the june universe is definitely one of the more interesting ones i have to say because yeah it, it all relies on mental ability and there's i know there's some body horror that goes on later on especially with the uh uh the navigators but the uh just like seeing how they define humanity like how the Bene Gesserit defined humanity um and not accepting every human as we would describe them today mm-hmm. it was was an interesting uh interesting point of view um seeing how the mentats and the doctors uh had to get by without equipment basically yeah uh, to to run such a society and to advise these very powerful <laughs> individuals um uh, that that was it's very interesting to see how that all came together and came together so very well in, in just one book alone. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's maybe the, the last thing I want to touch on before we, we maybe try to pivot to the, the movie side of things mm-hmm. here, but, um, you know, we were, we were talking about human evolution, but it's, it's less about human evolution and more about like, um, human adaptability. Cause like no mm-hmm. one is, born a a Bene Gesserit, you know, you have to learn how to do that. And so Herbert, like, more imagines this future where, out of necessity, people have, uh, like, you know, taken taken these, like, very small uh, but focused, like, parts of human ability and exaggerated them into something yeah just like totally unrecognizable but like all the things that like people are are capable of in herbert's universe usually stems back to like a very real world uh a a very well known and and like true you know like fact about you know what it means to be a person or how people interact Mm -hmm. with each other um i remember connor and i having a discussion on on the voice and how, like, oh, you know, yeah. like, pitching your voice in such a way to, like, get someone to do things for you, like, 
it sounds like magic the way they do it, but it's like ultimately when you ask someone a favor and they do it, like you're in some ways practicing like a rudimentary <laughs> form of voice, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's like something that, powerful... that Herbert would argue you still have to, to work on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like a very superpower Jedi mind trick. It's like it forced the person to do something for you. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was interesting. There was no like, um, there was no like real defense against it. Like it, it they showed the movie. Even Jessica is affected by it, or can be affected by it, rather. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting to see. It was very much like it. It reminded me of people hacking phone lines using dial tones. Um. I think, it, I think it was called freaking. Uh, but it's basically just using sound to trick somebody into doing something way more complicated than just sound should be able to trick them into doing. So. Yeah, yeah no, I think it's, right? it, it's super interesting. I, I think, Connor, you know, you're right. Like, uh, Frank Herbert does kind of see these, like, fundamental human skills that we, like, have built up throughout the years. And, like, obviously pitching your voice a certain way when you want to do something or somebody to do something for you is like a form of manipulation, right? You know, you come at somebody in a very sweet way, give them puppy dog eyes, you know, it's like that, that foundation just like thousands and thousands of years in the future where, you know, there's a whole organization that's been training on how to do this the most effective way possible, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's really crazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I don't know about Star Wars, but it it does. It I mean, it does remind you of a the, the Jedi mind um, trick. trick, Jedi mind force, you know. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and I mean, but I think the difference in Star Wars is that like that's not really explained. Like, like that is essentially just like a magic thing, except for it, the Metaclorians. It's essentially the same thing, but Star Wars frames it much more as magic, I believe. Right, yes. which makes it a little easier to accept at first. Because Dune definitely feels more of a hard science fiction up to the point of the uh, the abilities that we discussed previously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's all super interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything about the book specifically that you want to talk about before we do pivot over to the movie? Um, I mean, we could talk about the book for forever, but yeah, we, we talk we about really the movie could. for forever. Too. I know the thing is once we talk, when we talk about I, the, 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 the movie too, I mean, we'll still be talking about the book. The same story. Ways, yeah. So we can, yeah, go I, I was going to say, but, like, I'm pretty sure as we talk about the, the movie, I'm going to be comparing it to the book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's going to remind me of stuff as we go. So I, I think we should just, Go and talk All about right, let's do it. Well, I'd like to start where, because Josh, you know, when you were like, "Oh, the movie shows us that even Jessica can be affected by the voice," my right. first thought was, "When does that happen?" And the very beginning. Exactly, it hit me. <laughs> it's the water scene when exactly. yes. she she wants Paul to practice the voice. Um, that scene is obviously nowhere to be found in the book. Um, <laughs> I want to use this as a jumping off point. Uh, we can go anywhere, but I, I, I want to ask you first and foremost, 
How do you feel about the the more obvious changes, such as that scene? Some of the liberties, you might say, that this movie takes in telling the story of Dune in a different way. Um, I. What do you think? I thought they were well done. The the, the changes were. There were very few of them, uh, from what I picked up on, and they, like the only thing that really struck me as odd towards the end, like thinking back back on it later, was they never showed Gurney with his trademark. Uh, Balasit? Balasit. Yeah. You got it. You got it. That's the uh, correct pronunciation. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> uh, and apparently, I, I didn't even think about it until someone pointed out that was apparently talked about as being part uh, cut from the movie, just due to time. So yep. we might see that in like a director's cut in a couple of years. Possible. Um, so that was the only thing that really struck me as, well, that's a change from the book that doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about Gurney's character as like warrior poet. Yeah. Um, he's just mostly a warrior and they only use his, uh, give us a, give us a, uh, a quote Gurney like once. In the right. Movie. Yeah. I think it I'll happens a couple, I mean, right. he, he, he does recite passages a couple of times and I, I, I'm happy that they kept that like at least a little least bit of that, that aspect yeah. uh, for his character. Yeah. Um, it was interesting that they removed the subplot of how it's suspecting Jessica as a traitor. Yep. Um, but I think they may have done that to kind of cover up the whole Harkonnen bloodline thing a little bit longer. So we might still see that in part two. Possible, yeah. He, how it just disappears about halfway through the movie. Yeah. Um, which I was a little upset about. I, I really liked him in, in the movie. Um, yeah, he's great. Like it's. I had no idea who the guy standing next to the Duke was until he rolled his eyes back and gave the calculation. He's like, oh, I know who that is now. <laughs> what a cool way to, to like right. show, showcase that Mentap, you know, ability. Exactly. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. And then the, the Harkonnen Mentat doesn't actually do that. I was expecting him to do the same thing at some point, but he never he does really actually. I mean, he, I mean, it's, or, it's, he's not it's not, it's not verbalized. It's not verbalized, but I think the first time you see, right. um, Piter is, he, he does the eye roll back, but he does he doesn't, verbalize anything but but he he does actually do it another pronunciation thing i was always looking between piter and peter i just josh, josh for the record i say i say peter connor said piter just now and i was like who the fuck is that <laughs> peter <laughs> devries yeah so my my rationale for that i i don't know why i have rationale for just this this name but um it it looks like drift it, like linguistic drift in the name of Peter, uh, P E T E R, uh, and it's so it's probably somewhere between an E and an I, and yeah. E and I can make the same sound from time to time. So it's very yeah. possible. With I that became I was pretty hardline yeah. Peter for a long time, but um, in the promotion of this movie, the the actor actually who portrays him, he, he refers to him as Peter. So I think that's like it, his name is not mentioned in the movie at all, actually. But um, right. but I, th- I, was, I think that's I, what I they're going waiting, for. I was specifically waiting for the Baron to call him by name so that I could yeah. at least uh-huh. get some satisfaction there. But um, uh, so yeah, there were a couple. I guess what my point here is that they they did cut a couple of things, and I can see why they did. Uh, and the additions that they put in were 
the ones I caught were made sense. They they helped everything make more sense in the context of a movie movie as opposed to a book. Yeah, especially because the book is it's so much like stream of consciousness, like it, mm-hmm. it, it it's like going through people's inner monologues, you know. Exactly. Um, you can't do that. You can't movie. do that. I mean, and Unless the nineteen eighty four movie I kind mean, of tried. You, I was gonna say you you can if you're David Lynch. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it. It just it's it's just I mean my your your mileage may vary, I guess, but um, but mm-hmm. I I'm happy that they did not try to take take on that that direction. Right. Um. One change that I picked up on almost immediately. And it's not quite a change as opposed to it's just a detail that they added that was never mentioned in the book is how House Atreides presented itself, um, like the house as a whole, not just the the royal family or yeah. the, the family Atreides. Um, and someone pointed this out when I was watching later on, but uh, the bagpipes when they arrived yeah. at mm-hmm. Caracas was, were interesting, but they worked. Yep, they do. Uh, and I couldn't help but thinking about your character, Connor, who plays the bagpipes in D anD. D. I was like, "Oh, this is just gonna just amplify that to eleven, isn't it?" Yeah. Maybe that was a long lost relative uh, of your character. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I I really liked the epic bagpipes as they descend onto Arrakis. And it, it did vaguely remind me of the end of Star Trek Wrath of Khan, where they used bagpipes for Spock's funeral. Spoiler. Mm. <laughs> wow, Josh, come on. Yeah. But, uh... I was going to watch that movie. Connor and I were going <laughs> to go, go... We were going to be, uh... <clears throat> uh, Trek dudes next. I had it but... screwed up and everything. Yes, I guess that's all screwed up now. Um... Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it it was something that you would you wouldn't need in a book like you like the ballast set was all you really needed from a musical standpoint. In a yeah, book. yeah. But when when you actually like show armies marching off of ships, you need a little bit of pomp and circumstance. So uh, you're not going to be doing that with a ballast set. I was expecting a little no. bit more horns. Uh, but the, so I, I was surprised at the bagpipes, but it was, I, I, I think it was a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I, I, th- I think they portrayed kind of like those real life details pretty well. Um, cause. And the other thing was, uh, seeing how the music style changed from faction to faction. Yeah. So the, the, when the Fremen showed up, it was a bit more of what we saw in the, uh, uh, in the trailers, I don't know how to describe that style, um, but that it was that kind of vocal music. Yeah, um, Harkonnen was escaping my memory, uh, but it, it, it sounded a bit. It was definitely more harsh and in line with what you'd expect given their visual design. Yep. Um, and then, what really surprised me were the Sardaukar. With the, the like throat singing thing, I know that was a huge surprise for me on. too. Uh, but it made sense thinking about the book uh, where they are conditioned from uh, when they arrive on 
JD Prime? Seleucus Secundus. Seleucus Secundus. Right. So, right. Prime was the. Uh, it's a hard Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what was the Sardaukar world again? Sorry. Seleucus Secundus. Seleucus Secundus. Okay. That was another thing. Um, reading the book is like, what the fuck is they're referring to something? Yeah. Secundus? I, I was, I was going to say salsa secondary. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, uh, like it took me a second to realize they were talking about another planet. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was, that was one thing that bothered me reading. Yeah. But, uh, knowing how the Sardaukar are raised and conditioned, the, the throat singing, sermon made a lot made a lot of sense once you uh once your brain catches up with the fact that it's happening yeah um uh, trying to think what it it sounded like but it's uh, some deep memory in my from some media that i played as a kid or something but oh no it, it sounds like a didgeridoo that's what <laughs> yeah you know josh i <laughs> I've heard throat singing a lot, and I I also thought it was a didgeridoo the first time, uh, yeah. Without and, really realizing, because that I heard the same thing as you. Yeah, the only reason I knew it was throat singing was because of Star Wars: Fallen Order. Um, they the music at the beginning cutscene is similar style. It's I think it's Mongolian throat singing. Gotcha. Um, and it's only because I knew of that little piece of trivia that I was able to identify it in tune. Cool. Um, yeah, so let's see what, I really liked the design of all the ships in, in the movie. Um, the frigates looked like sand crawlers, which was interesting. Uh, except at, uh, let me specify the Atreides frigates looked like sand crawlers. The Harkonnen frigates looked like, oh man, like almost like steampunk airships when their yeah. balloons were inflated. Which was interesting, um, and then the spacer guild stuff was all very organic, uh, rounded stuff that reminded me more of um, something like Oblivion for some reason, uh, where everything is circles. One thing we um, haven't discussed is is um the like the fold space. Or- cylinders that they go through yeah you can see the other side like flattened yeah, that, inside like it's super fucking cool and i didn't i didn't notice that until like the second time that i watched it yeah no i i i saw it the first time i was like wait a minute is that a stargate now i thought they were like ships that actually like moved through space but it looks like it's more of a wormhole situation um which that might be the only other thing that bothers me about the movie is because the spice is used to navigate, which implies they are well moving. I mean, how I view it is because it's very clear what's happening if you look into it. Like it looks yeah, like no, it, it, it looks like space is literally folding. So it's not it's yeah. not a um it's not really a wormhole thing. I guess I mean it kind of is, but um so I I feel like there there is still some skill that you that you would need to get through that yeah, or make that it's, happen. It's, it's probably when they set up such a portal. Uh, they're almost certainly not um, permanent situations. Yeah, like it's possible they have those those guild ships like permanently stationed nearby, and they have to like connect them like telephones. 
to get people where they want to go. But at the same time, when the Harkonnen attack begins, uh, Gurney looks up and you can see the um, the guild ship, the, the was it the Highliner? Yeah. Uh, up in space, and it, it's clear from his expression that that is not normal. So these ships definitely move, and I'm wondering if they're like mobile wormholes or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost play, like but it's interesting. It's almost like they they are piloted, and it's like you can see the destination through it, but you still yeah. need to be able to fly the ship to get there. Exactly, somehow. and and right. I yeah, think yeah. it looks like it's it's kind of um, shorter in there than it may, might actually be once they're in it. It might you know take some mm-hmm. some time to go to go around the the space that's folded in on itself, but who knows? This is all Probably. just you know. Yeah, and in the book, they, they, they talk about being uh, everybody being parked in a cargo hold for the duration of the trip. So they they are making trips in the book. Yes. Um, so I, I think that's probably the one big change that really got me, like, side-eyeing it. Like, are you really? Yeah. It, it's it's fine, but it's that's not, like, 100% faithful. Mm. Um. But I mean, t- to your original point, the um, the ship designs are cool. I like how yes. <clears throat> um, just how uh, massive the scale is. Yes, you know, like I know you and I with Star Wars and numerous other science fiction properties. Like we're no stranger to um, yep. Like big ships, impossibly large spaceships, right? Yeah. But um, I think Dune really gets across this point that like it, it feels like it's the norm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like if everyone had a star destroyer, like <laughs> it's not weird for you to have that necessarily, or to right. have several. Like, um, so it's not so much like, of course. And the way that the shots are presented, it does feel like that Rogue One kind of feeling where you just see either the Star Destroyer hovering above uh, the city. Jetta, thank you. Or uh, any shot of the Death Star where it's like upside down or eclipsing yep. things or, or anything or, like that. Or on the horizon, like right. the atmosphere. Like Which the is feeling... They do with the Highliner. Exactly, yes. Exactly. So like that feeling of like, you know how big, you know they they just they just give you scale for comparison. Like you yeah. assume you know how big this planet is. Here's the ship, and you're meant to go fuck. Like that's yeah. a big ship. Like they do yeah. that very well. Like in a New Hope, you can't tell that the the Star Destroyer is over a kilometer long. It's it's just it's a big ship. Like you don't have the exact scale, and that's something that pops up in a lot of science fiction. It's like, well, is the ship a hundred? meters long or is it a thousand meters long we don't know because they keep changing the size of the windows from season to season or movie to movie <laughs> yes um but yeah the i i liked the the spice crawler uh the harvester looked it reminded me of very much of the uh the nasa crawler that they used to transport rockets to the launch pad oh okay uh, i love the ornithopters because that yeah. was something in my first read through the book that stuck with me that they were using uh, ornithopters instead of aircraft or helicopters. And uh, I was always wondering how that would work. Cause I didn't know. 
uh, Dune was the thing that introduced me to the concept of an ornithopter. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting seeing them represented as dragonflies or dragonfly like creatures, uh, machines. And uh, the carryall, I had always envisioned as some sort of like large hawk like creature. It was weird seeing it more of like a squid or jellyfish. Yeah. Um, what, uh, going one back thing to that the ornithop- out, one thing that took me out of the movie was when the carryall would deploy its balloons. It was just like, it's big, but it take, it's way too fast. Like inflation of the balloons. I I heard. Uh, I have seen at least a, a handful of other people mention that, and I do think it's yeah. a weird. I think it's a weird shot. Like it is the the CGI is done so well in uh, every aspect of this movie. It seems like an odd. It's something about that. I do agree. I think feels off. I like right. it. And we might see that edited slightly in a in a future director's cut. Who knows. It's it's just Denise, like Denise one thing gonna go really... in my original original vision. <laughs> it was like the one thing where I was like, "Oh, that was a little weird." Let's move on. It's a balloon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you were mentioning the ornithopters, and you know, you you had a um, a uh, fondness for them from your your initial read through all those years ago. How do you feel about their portrayal here in this film? Do they nail it? Is it like way different than you ever thought? Like, what do you think? Um, I think it was different from what I originally thought. I was envisioning something more bird-like as opposed to insect-like. But the way they are used in the movie definitely feels better than whatever I was envisioning 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I, I feel like my read through this time was tainted. It was not tainted, uh, influenced by the trailers that do show the ornithopter. So I knew there was going to be more insect like this time around. Uh, I think it also descri- the book also describes the spice harvester as being a bit more beetle like, uh, which I think you see the Harkonnen machines are definitely a, look a bit more like ticks. Uh, so the it was a little I was a little surprised at first to see just like a brick moving across the sand when the Duke and Paul and everyone go out to take a look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I, I, I really liked how they portrayed the ornithopters in this movie. And the only real issue I see with them is all the moving joints in a sand environment is a nightmare to me as an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh boy. Like I work on jet engines for a living and things only move in one direction. <laughs> And sand is so bad for fast-moving metal parts. It's I, I don't want sand in an engine or near anything that's moving that you don't want to wear down. So it, it makes me wonder like, what kind of technology they have where they can have basically a, a rapidly oscillating ball joint that isn't binding when they uh, literally throw it into a hurricane-force sandstorm. So. You know, Josh, you just made me... Uh, like, I, it feels like for the first time in my life, I understand why, um, Anakin famously doesn't like sand. (laughs) I mean, he was trying to construct droids and pod racers on Tatooine. Like, yeah, of course he doesn't like sand. You know, that, that's going to fuck up anything that he tries to build. Yeah. Why do you think C-3PO was so upset about walking through the desert? Because his robot is, that sand is literally tearing apart his joints as, as it gets everywhere. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, yeah, let's... 
I, I, I really do appreciate um, talking about all the little things because they're, I mean, just like with the book, there's so much to discuss when it comes to the movie and its portrayal of things. But I think we should delve deeper into the heart of this film. Um, how do you how do you feel about like? Um, of course, this is only part one, and we we can say thankfully part two has been greenlit, which is uh, very exciting. So we we will get some kind of a conclusion here. Um, but but how do you feel about uh, the way that this movie tackles the first half? of the book story. I thought it tackled it really well. Um, I mean, they go, it's only the first third of the book, right? That they cover. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little weird with the, it's yeah, it's not, I don't think there's like an exact point, but it's part one of three, but parts two and three are very, are are like slightly shorter than part one. If I recall, maybe there's part four. I don't know. It's, the, yeah, the first Dune book is split up into three books within itself, and this covers uh, all, like all of book one, and then maybe the first third or so of book two. I think that's third or that, I think that's right, the case, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a there's a time skip between one and two, but I think that takes place in time skip between uh, two and three. Oh, it's between two and three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I thought the part that they... I The whole thing I was wondering about going to this movie was where would they cut the story? Mm. Uh, and I was really confused looking at the trailers because it looked like they would be covering parts of the final battle based off of, like, Paul in the, in the still suit with the armor, like, in a, in a battle. Right. Turns out that was, a, that was a, a, a vision of the future. But it, it made me wonder this whole time of, like, where are they gonna cut it are they actually gonna go try to go all the way up to the harkonnens attacking then what the hell are they gonna cover in part two yeah um so it was it was very much a guessing game and i think i realized right about when they uh got when they finally met the fremen in the in the canyon that it was going to end very soon and my bladder was also telling me it was going to end very soon one word yeah yeah um so I, I liked that they they showed the Fremen culture a little bit towards the end, and were showing the fight with Janus, Janus, Jane, Janus. Um, I I read later like people were I I completely missed that it was Janus acting as like the mentor in one of those um one of those visions, visions of like I'll show you the desert I'll yep. show you the the way way in the desert. Uh, so it was very much a what could have been thing. Well, it's it's what could have been. What it's what could have been. But also, but yeah, also he did, in a way, show him the ways of the desert of the desert, and uh, right, which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really, I really like that in hindsight. I didn't pick up on it while watching the movie, but I liked it in hindsight. Uh, so you uh, for for where it ends because that is kind of like a big part of like. You know how I, it, yeah, I think it's, it's a tough. I think it's a tough ask to end the story of Dune before the story of Dune ends. You know, yeah. It, um, it. I knew it was going to be a tough choice, and I think they picked a good spot. Yeah. Uh, it, like, Atreides has fallen. Uh, Paul and Jessica are with the Fremen. 
uh, we see a little bit of what life with the Fremen is like, but not everything. And I, I feel like a lot of the second part is probably going to be uh, like the first half is probably just going to be life with the Fremen. Yeah. And what that's like. Yeah. I mean, and we might, we might see parallels to what they experienced like on Kaladin and mm. when they first arrived at Arrakis. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see Paul developing uh, into Mogib and Usul. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. that's how I would say it. Okay. Usul. Making sure. Yeah. Or Usul. You, I would say Usul. 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 Yeah. Usul. Actually. Yeah. I think I would say Usul. All right. I, I don't like doing the yeah sound without a Y. So yeah. Um, I, then, I was reading it as Usul. Then it would be Usul. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I start, I go with the U sound, not but without the Y at the, at the beginning. It would be Usul. Us all. Usul. Okay. Us all. Russell. Russell without the R. Um, Usul. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think it's true that um, no matter where you end the first half of the movie, I mean, even if it was a full one movie, this is a very hard thing to end because the book ends in kind of a kind of a crazy way i I mean we talked a lot about the ending um like it it kind of it kind of like all happens at once and then it's done it does you know um so in like the in the david lynch film like it's really not a satisfactory ending at all you know um so yeah um but for the first part of of a two-part you know dune movie um, I, I loved how they ended it. A lot of people were like, well, why wouldn't you end on a cliffhanger? Why wouldn't you end on the Fremen threatening them or them stuck in the Coriolis storm or whatever? But to me, that's like, I, it's, it's like, I don't need, really need a cliffhanger, you know? No. Um, and and it, it allows, it allows the movie to stand on its own. Yes. If it had to, yep. if they never greenlit part two. Yeah. That was a good spot to, to end it and have a conclusion. Yeah, I mean, what what I like about it is it's, agree a, it's, more, a, Josh. it's essentially you know the the adventure continues, and and I, I think that's really mm-hmm. I, I think that was the right choice. Yeah. I All right. Um, I mean, I I could keep asking questions, but is there anywhere like you want to jump to? Anything you you want to discuss, movie wise, book wise, general oh. talk? How are you feeling, Josh? can answer more questions i can't really that's fine connor do you want to shoot anything off or do you want me to um yeah i mean just you, you know got, just you got any questions for a boy uh here? how did you feel about uh timothy chalamet as paul and you know how do you think he he was portrayed in this film versus um, your imagination he seems a little more quieter than the paul in the book more little. like the quiet Zats Hatterack. Sorry. <laughs> really felt like I had to interrupt and do that. If you okay, didn't do it, on. I would have yeah. done it. Okay, yeah, there, there's another word I didn't even bother to try to figure out how it was pronounced. <laughs> uh, pronounced wrong in this movie, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, his... The movie Paul was... Seemed... Hmm, less mature at first. And that was something that happened in the book. Like Paul matures very quickly. Yep. And he has to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
and he has very different life experiences from me, so I can't really speak to what level of maturity he should have been at the age he is at the beginning of the movie, slash book. Um, I mean, he knows very well how to handle combat with a seasoned veteran and also how to dispatch a seeker drone uh, at, without any of the, like, prescient stuff really coming to be into play yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For some reason, he reminded me of Kylo Ren a little bit or Ben Solo, whatever stage he would have been at that age. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think that was more similar look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, a little bit, a bit of brattiness there. I think it's uh, a little bit. Yeah. I can imagine Kylo Ren at 15 acting like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, keeping on the the Star Wars actor theme. Uh, Poe Dameron as Duke Leto. That was really cool. Oscar Isaac did a tremendous job. He was perfect, perfect in the role. There was like one or two moments where I could, where I was like, oh yeah, there's the little, there's a little bit of Poe Dameron peeking out, but otherwise, very different role and very different portrayal, and very impressed by that. Um. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've seen this observation made, but like in in uh, in like the Atreides Cemetery scene, uh, Duke Leto is like, "Oh man, you know, I really wanted to be a pilot," and people kind of had a field day with that. <laughs> I saw a whole bunch yeah. of edits of, of you know, like Poe Dameron yep. just being like, "Yeah, uh, that's me." Like, uh, so yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that I, I like that that line. Uh, the cemetery was also interesting. It got me thinking about how few graves there were for how much history that is supposedly in the Dune universe. But I think someone explained it later that Atreides hasn't been on Calden for 10,000 years, obviously. Uh, they only arrived like a few hundred years ago. So the, the number of graves made a little more sense then. Yeah, I think it's like the uh, that's like the royal cemetery, you know, it's like the. Yeah. The best. Yeah, the no, best. I knew it was. I knew it was just. I knew it was just heads of houses there. Yeah, it's. I mean, daddy, granddaddy, you know, granddaddy's granddaddy. I mean, even just a few thousand years, there should be hundreds of graves. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was interesting. Did you like um, getting you know more time on on Caladan in the movie? I did. Yeah. Cause, uh, in the book, Caladan is very. They're on it for like two chapters yeah right mm-hmm. out of like 50 i think so and then it's mentioned a few times but yeah seeing it developed a lot more on the uh on on the big screen was i really appreciated that yeah me too and i liked when they would like focus on the bowl and like the the matador statue i know it was a small detail they didn't even have to but it's like they every now and then they'd focus on it. it's like that's from the book. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so satisfying, and you know, it like plays as, as such a great omen for for you know mm-hmm. what's to come. It's like you know, Leto is going to have to face the bull of his own, you know, of his own demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and similarly, Paul in a different way, but um, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much more like. I feel like Denis held back a lot in this movie because there's so many pieces that he has yet to unveil for part two. 
Um, Did you have any predictions or any thoughts about casting or any ideas about the second movie? Oh, I have no idea about casting. (laughs) What about, what Uh, about Adam driver for fade Routha? That's the emperor's friend, right? No, that's the, that's the Baron's nephew. Nephew, other right, nephew, right. who who they, uh, he's got a final battle with the uh, with Paul. Oh, I thought because that's, that's, that's Kylo Ren. Like, oh, Paul! Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Has that been confirmed, or are you just throwing that? Oh out? no, I'm just I'm just there. there, there there's no confirmation oh, okay. about casting for the second movie. Okay. Uh, that would certainly be interesting. I don't think I've seen Adam Driver in anything outside of Star Wars, so that would certainly take some getting used to. Uh, yeah, and and what about uh, what about Daisy Ridley as Princess Irulan? <laughs> Ooh, or it, what about BB-8 as Count Fenring? What about <laughs> what about that would definitely take some Emperor <laughs> Palpatine as the Padishah Emperor? It can't be two emperors. That, would, be, the that would that would just be hilarious if if they got uh, that actor whose name. I cannot remember. I it's uh, it's Ian something. I it, think that's where I'm at. It's like Ian McSomething. Ian McDermott. Ian, Ian McDermott. Ian McGumby. I think it is. I feel like I'm right now that I said it. Ian McGumby. I was I was thinking of Ian, Ian McKellen at first, but I'm like that's Gandalf. Ian uh, McDermott. Yeah. Yep. So you okay, you were it. you were wrong. You said McDermott. <laughs> so it it. It's no, actually I didn't different. Say McDermott. Go back and listen you to the You said tape. McDermott. You didn't say McDermott. Uh, because it's because it's not McDermott. Okay, just like anything else, Josh and I and you, we're having we're having <laughs> pronunciation problems here. All right. So eight but people have played the emperor. It, it ends with a D. McDer D I R M I D McDermott. Yeah, you were close. Yeah. You got McDermott. close. You got close to it. That's what I. Fu- that's what I fucking said. I it's said not, it. it's not what you said. So all right. there, yeah, very there are eight Don actors Ball. who played the emperor. All right, Don Bald, all right. There, there are eight actors who, who played the emperor before, and it took me a moment to real, to figure that out because I was wondering why Seth MacFarlane was also on this list. <laughs> oh, Seth MacFarlane oh, would be... Yeah, yeah, think yeah. about Seth MacFarlane for Fade Routha. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dreamcasting. Um. <laughs> all right, Connor. Um, yeah. Anything you want to question josh about or talk about um the movie or book you know regardless of- i mean I, I like it's it's one of those things like i again like i know that we could um go into the ins and outs of this and and, and talk about all the, the the numerous little details um but i'll try and keep it broad because it sounds like we're gonna wrap up uh if we can but really what i'm wondering josh Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like, uh, I don't know if it's, it's too basic of a question, but I mean, like, do you feel like you have a preference between the book or the movie? Like, do you feel like, uh, one is just clearly better than the other or, or, I mean, if so, do you feel like, even if you have a preference, maybe let me ask you this. Um, do you feel like that, like both of them are able to, I don't know, do things that the other can't, right? Like, 
Do you see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah, maybe? I, I think I do. Uh, I think the best thing I can say is that the movie is a fantastic adaptation of the book. There, there are things that a movie can do that a book can't and vice versa. And I think they so far have played to their media's respective strengths. Um, I think we touched on it earlier, like, a book can go into people's inner monologues where the movie really can't do that in a way that feels natural. Um, and it's very possible that I'll probably be going back to the movie more often than I go back to the book. I mean, it's been 15 years since I've gone back to the book. And in that time I've watched star Wars about as many times. Mm, yeah. And there are plenty of star Wars books out there that I can read. Uh, and, Many of them I haven't really gone back to more than once. So I, I really don't know if I will be reading Dune again anytime soon, but I very much will go back to this movie a lot more. And it's not to say the movie's better. It's more that's more commentary on what I have time for. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, I feel the it, same way. And with the movie, you have they've done a great job of giving it a visual there's a lot of visual storytelling that I really enjoy. I like visual storytelling a lot. And that's something you just don't get with a book that often, unless they've provided illustrations, which many books don't do after you turn 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, I, I'm not saying that, I would prefer to watch a movie over the book it's based off of in like every situation, but I would go back to the movie. I'm definitely going to go back to the movie before I go back to the book, but I, I, I can appreciate the book for being what it is. And honestly, there's some parts I, one of the things I haven't really been able to decide is whether the movie is, something you can watch and fully appreciate without having read the book first. I don't know if it fully stands on its own. I know it can, but uh, the, the example I, I can think of is 2001 A Space Odyssey, which it's very similar to the book that it's based off of, aside from a few changes uh, to which planet they visit. Um, but I never really appreciated the movie until I read the book and then watched the movie. And I, I could actually understand what was going on in the movie. And it, it felt very much like it's a very similar visual spec spectacle minus like the psychedelic mm -hmm. colors at the end. Um, and like the only other really good movie adaptation of a book that I can think of off the top of my head right now is Jurassic park. And that also had a lot of changes to it that similar to uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. And then that franchise just kind of went off in its own direction. And I remember reading those books back in high school and just, there were parts where, yes, this is the part of the movie that I remember. And then it was other parts where it was like, this is not the movie. I don't remember this. So I have no idea what's going on. Or I, or the movie didn't cover this. And I'm mad that it didn't cover this because this is a great scene in the book. Uh, and with Dune, I feel like they covered all the good stuff in the movie and 
the stuff that's left out is very much like I don't know if it's going to be a part two, and I don't know if it's, um, I I don't know if it was really needed for a movie, mm-hmm. and the stuff that's in the book, but not in the movie. It's like it it works in the book and it makes sense in the book, and with a book you're you're limited by the words you can put on the page, and that's it. Like or how much you're willing to spend on number of pages you're putting in the book. Uh, so there's, you can go a lot farther with a book than you can with a movie in some instances. Right. So I, this is a very unique situation where both mediums are very balanced with each other. And I, I think that speaks very highly of what they did with the movie is they, this is not something where I'd be like, Oh, the book is better. Right. It, it's like, no, this is a fantastic adaptation of the book. And I will definitely be coming back to it just for the fact that it's a good movie. Uh, and I'm going to need a refresher by the time part two comes out in two years. Uh, but I'm also going to refer to this as often as I would refer to the book if I need to ever look something up. And it's, this is how I'm going to envision Dune myself going forward. So. Cool. That's a really big, uh, to, you know, to, to, to think of like a work as like almost a definitive interpretation, you know, is like, a, I think mm-hmm. one of the, the biggest, um, in a way, like a kind of compliment, you know, to, to feel like it can like yeah actualize something so well, like to be like, whoa, like this is like the, 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 the visual shorthand that, that feels like Dune to me, um, yeah. is really, really big. That's, that's really cool, Josh. Yeah, that, I, I think that's what they should be praised for in this movie. Yeah, if if nothing if nothing else, that's <laughs> there's a lot that can be praised for in that movie. But I, I think the visual design is one thing that should be at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah, it's tremendous. Very, very uh, put together and, and well thought out. I think and and well executed. Um, Just like the book. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, I think it really gets Dune as a as a story. Um, I think we're lucky to have Denis as the as the the director. Um, for for me, they they feel like it feels like a supplementary piece to Dune, you know, and and also you know because I've seen the movie, I've seen the more the movie now four times, which is crazy. Um, oh wow. But um, were, were were all those times in IMAX? Or no, well, I know, no, just I know not all of them because one was HBO Max. But <laughs> no, just the one IMAX showing. The rest were just regular theater screenings. Um, theater show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theater. Um, gotcha. But the people that yeah, I, I went with, um, that were had not read the book, um, like I was surprised at how much they they all really really enjoyed it, um. So and that I, I I like to hear that yeah um, um, so that was one the one thing I could not decide for myself yeah the I mean it was like it's hard to when when you've either. read it yeah yeah I think going in with with the knowledge of the book it just it, it makes for like a richer experience but I don't think it I, I don't think your yes. experience is diminished for not having read the book um, which, the one which is thing good. I did not like in that movie the one thing that really did not like in that movie that Harkonnen spider thing. <laughs> what the fuck was that? And why did it have to be there? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, we, we, we may never honest, know. If that's if that's supposed to replace the the whole subplot with the Baron's uh, preferences, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably it. Might be the better choice. 
Especially yeah. in this current environment. Yeah, I mean that. That's, I think so too. That's one of the things that we we talked about. It was a really good move on Denise and the writers' parts. That uh, yeah, let, let's hope that that doesn't have any part in in part two. It seems like they are staring clear of it, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, it's just uh, yeah, it's just no good. Yeah, I, mean, I heard I, an interesting theory that the spider is uh, Yue's wife. I heard that. too. I did see that theory too. Yeah, that yeah. that's very disturbing. It is it freaks me out. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the freaking human hands it has, and oh man, it's like yep. it's 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 yeah. really bizarre. But the worst part was when the Baron says it can't understand speech, and then mm-hmm. the voice works on it. I know, I know. Uh, that yeah. that was like oh it oh it can it understands, but also it's like. Harkonnen's using that to spy on people, isn't he? Mm. So yeah, I mean it. It it definitely brings up a lot of questions, and um, it does. Yeah, yeah. It's, for something it's that's on screen for all of ten seconds. I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, so 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 yeah, I mean, one thing that I would like to ask you before we wrap things up, just about doing in general, is if you have any predictions or thoughts about. The, you know what happens after the first book to share with us if you have any thoughts um, any preconceived ideas we're not going to say either way obviously but i thought it'd be fun to kind of get you know somebody's predictions okay preconceived ideas trying so i've seen like a few things like video essays from time to time that mention things that happen after dune itself mm-hmm. or uh, just mention extra details about how the houses work stuff like that um, and I I briefly looked at the uh, synopsis of a couple of those books hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I think I know that Paul is not the protagonist in later books. I don't know if that's true for the next book or not. Um, I know that there's some major time skips that start to show like how things remain the same and also change. And like, maybe they start going against Paul's, uh, what Paul started. I don't, I won't necessarily say ideology because he didn't necessarily want to start the jihad at first. And that just happened regardless. Yep. Um, I, I know that they start to get more into the body horror stuff that, is going on with the spacer guild and how they are not as human as you would expect. Um, and I'm not really certain where things go from there. Gotcha. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That, you know, luckily it seems like you're largely unspoiled. Um, where, 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 where do you want things to go? Oh man. Oh, that's a question. <laughs> what parts of this universe do you want to see explored? See explored. Okay, that that narrows it down. Um, I'd want to see the other houses a lot mm. more, and I'd want yeah. to see how they react to what happened on Arrakis. I'd want to see. I want to see what happens to Arrakis in the long term. Do they actually manage to uh, jumpstart the ecology there while preserving the spice? Do they go too far? Do they? Do the Fremen die out eventually? I doubt that, but uh, like, where does Arrakis go? 
Um, I'd love to see how the other houses react to the events of Dune. I'd love to see if Atreides really does become emperor and if that continues for a long time. Um, whether or not the other houses like continue as the Landstrad or if a new system pops up and if they cover the politics of that or not. Um, yeah, it's... Oh man, Josh. You got you got to read that shit. You got to read those books, buddy. <laughs> you just got to do it for me, I, for your old I pal. Know it's, I, I, they are on the horizon. I can't really say they're on my list right now, but they're on my horizon. Well, let us Josh. know what, when they're on the list. <laughs> Josh, do it for Donald <laughs> and Goofy. All right. Come on, do it for Donald and the lovable Goof I got by my side. <laughs> I think I will get there eventually. All right, fair um, enough. That's that's all I can ask. That's all I can ask. The the thing is, is that we you know we could ask Josh to to read like these five books for months and months and months, years and years and years. <laughs> when he finally sits down to do it, it's going to take two weeks. You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah. he he could do yeah. it whenever he wants. It's true. <laughs> as long as he as long as he gets to carve I mean, out that time. Movies I want to watch. Star yeah. Trek has like three different shows right now. Um, Star Wars has Boba Fett and Mandalorian and a bunch of other things coming out. Halo's got a new game coming out. There's a lot of science fiction that I, I ravenously consume. Yeah. That is all coming to a head right now. And I, I don't know what I can get back to do anytime soon. When you're ready, you're so, ready. You know, there, there's, there's no rush. Um, but I do I, think that I'm, you will enjoy a, a, a whole lot of it. Um, I'm certain that I will, and I'm really glad that I was able to at least get through the first book in time for the book for the movie to come out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do that for sure. I'm glad I found out it was only a part. It was only part one in the movie by the time I finished the book. Otherwise, I there's a good chance I may have stopped like halfway through. Oh no! Yeah, well, and not picked it up again. Now we can we now uh, you know two years from now we can have a conversation about how part two was. And about how we're so excited about uh, that they greenlit Dune Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that the next one? I thought it was Children of Dune next. Oops. No, Dune Messiah first. Um, okay. All right. Well, anything you want to cover, Connor, before we wrap things up? No, I feel good. I just want to mention, um, Josh, it, it uh, is a long time coming to have you as a official <laughs> uh, guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk Dune with us. You know you're welcome anytime. And, uh, I mean, hey, the three of us just might be talking about uh, other books sometime in the very near future. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's a little teaser for you corrupted TV heads out there. (laughs) (laughs) All three of us who are on this Uh podcast. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Josh, is there anything else you want to mention before we, we truly... Uh, end end this. Any closing thoughts? Anything you want to say before we we uh, cut it here? Oh boy. Um, and if not, it's okay. I don't think I really have any. I'm glad I could share this with you guys now. Um, I, I feel like I was kind of hiding from you guys when you were doing this. Once I realized you were doing this, yeah. Uh, and I, I was. Very surprised when I first found out you guys were reading Dune. It was not a book I would have ever thought you guys would have chosen first to read together. Uh, and it's not... A, a reading podcast was not the first thing I expected you guys to do either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I'm very and who could impressed. blame you? I, not only am I, am I impressed that you 
made it through Dune, but you made it through all of its sequels in so little time. I'm, I, I'm jealous at how quickly you've read the books, given our schedules. And I know I've read I read Dune in a month, but you guys read six books in the course of like a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, like we that. were kind of in a spice yeah. trance the entire time, so it's it really feels that way. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I I hope that whatever comes next, I can be a part of that too. I think you uh, just might percent. I think you just might be. That's but, all I'm uh, gonna say. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Josh. Yeah. Well, we love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Like Connor said, it's 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 long overdue. Um, Absolutely. Anytime. When yeah, you, you know, you can about. find <laughs> you can find Josh over there uh, at Navy Pilot 1046, Twitter, Instagram, um, anywhere else, Josh. That's pretty much all the social media I use these okay. days. Um, Facebook is mostly for just making sure family can contact me and probably should get into the rest. What's, what's your metaverse, uh, handle? I'm shaking my head. No. <laughs> Time for the Butlerian Jihad, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find us at Dune dudes pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can email us at Dune dudes pod at gmail.com. Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty backlogged on the emails now. So if you, uh, you know, give us a few weeks to, to get back to you, um, it takes time to send a personalized message to each and every one of you. We want to do it right. Um, and we're also at corrupt TV on both Twitter and Instagram. And as always until next time, Connor. Whoa. Keep your eyes, keep your eyes peeled to see who our next guest is gonna be. Go, go, go! Quack, quack! Oh, yuck! Quack, quack, quack! Oh, yuck! Okay. <laughs>